Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our Romans Bible study every Monday morning and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time right here live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. And it will always be uploaded later to the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316, and our website at thecrosswaychurch.com. I want to encourage you to avail yourself. Don't just jump in right here in the middle. Go back and begin to listen all the way up to where we are presently. Today is part two, and we're in Romans chapter six. Uh, We start all over uh, as far as part one, part two, part three in every chapter, and each chapter has had several parts, and we have been truly blessed of the Lord in what He has shown us in the Scriptures, giving us opportunity to grow in the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, and what He accomplished for us at Calvary. And I'm so thankful to know what we are hearing today what we're learning, which comes only through experience, by receiving by faith and allowing Him to work that out in us and us believing it by faith and, and, and manifesting that with its fruit. That's called grace. Grace is God working in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure, His being pleased, which takes faith in the cross of Christ and then that can be bare out what he's working in you, praise God. And now, uh, I want to encourage you to pray for us. We're planning a church in Wichita Falls, Texas, four and a half hours north of here. Second weekend every month, we are there. Friday nights at 7, Saturday mornings 10 till lunch at the Hampton Inn on uh, 4217 Kemp Boulevard. If you know anybody in that area, send them a message. Tell them to be there. We're preaching Christ and Him crucified the Word of God in its righteous context from page, from cover to cover in this Bible. And we're just thankful for the opportunity to be there. Already got a few folks coming and excited about it, even having Bible study uh, during the week when we're not there on that weekend. And, and uh, we've contacted the Christian radio station there, and they're going to start uh, pretty soon advertising for us. That costs money. That's where you come in. It costs money to go and rent that conference room. I'm talking to the people uh, who know there's a need for a gospel, a cross-preaching church there. Needs your help doing that. Needs your help getting expositor study Bibles into the hands of inmates. We mail six a week, not a month, six expositor study Bibles a week, Old and New Testament the whole thing, into the hands of inmates who are requesting those Bibles. This is where we are right now with how many are requesting. Probably probably 35, 40 letters behind right now. And uh, so I encourage you to go to the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Donate what the Lord lays on your heart. It takes $33 per Bible to get one into the hands of the inmate. And that's probably a little bit shy of what it really takes. Uh, So I encourage you to help us with that. If you pray about it, I know the Lord will encourage you to do that. So here we are in Romans chapter 6 today. And let me make a a comment about this. And I probably will all the way through Romans chapter 6. And now this is quite a statement. This is a blunt statement. There's probably most of all Christians would say, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. 
Now, he, he, he just thinks they're the only ones that know everything. And, and let, me, let me just start off by saying we don't know half of anything, much less everything. But what we are teaching, if you were to stay with us through this entire chapter 6, it's teaching, you would agree with us at the end of this teaching that unless you understand Romans chapter 6, you have never been discipled and you can make disciples of no one. You have never been discipled and you can make disciples of no one without understanding Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is the one chapter in the Bible that reveals how we live for God. Not talking about what you do, go to church, give tithes and offerings, pray fast, study the Word. No, those are what we do. How to live for God. No, no, I mean, all your life you can go to church and be told what to do. And never, ever in 50, 60 years of pew sitting every week, two or three times a week, never be told how to do all the what to do's. And if you are being told how to do all the what to do's, 99.9999% chance it's being told what you have to do, which is law, instead of simple faith in the cross, and what Christ did there for you that gets you the Holy Spirit working through you. I guarantee it, if you'll follow along this chapter, you will hear some things that you've never heard before, and God will be able to use you and shape you and bring you to the place where you can now be discipled and be used by Him to make disciples. We're not discipled because we go to church. We're not being discipled because we spend a couple weeks with a pastor. And that's basically what the church thinks is let's hang around the pastor for a week or two and more than normal and, and let him disciple us. If he's not pointing me to the scriptures and how they relate to Christ and him crucified, I'm not being discipled. Romans chapter 6 is what explains what it means to be a disciple. How? to live for God. Think about that. It's very powerful. Very powerful. The Apostle Paul is the one man, not two, the one man the Lord gave the revelation, the turning on of the light of what actually happened at Calvary and all that was afforded us there. What actually happened? What was afforded us you're going to learn that if you will believe what you're reading in the context of Jesus Christ. Who said the scriptures are about him, praise God. The scriptures are about him. So let's jump in today and let's start with verse 1. I know this is part 2 and we probably... We're going to keep touching on it because there's some very important things that if you don't know will hurt you in a bad way. The enemy uses what we don't know to bring us into bondage. God says his own people are destroyed for the lack of what they don't know. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So you are told by God to study the Word of God. You are told in the Word of God as a child of God to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're told that. If you excuse that, like the preacher's the only one that needs to be 
involved in that, then you will be consumed of your flesh, of the world, of the enemy, all the time crying out, God, why is this happening to me? You are required to, to learn to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you refuse to do what God's told you to do, then the repercussions and the reaping of that is horrible. And then you find yourself just existing and surviving and not living, not thriving in Christ. So, watch this. What shall we and that grace may abound. And if you remember the last session, and we've got to cover it, and we will all the way through this chapter, or the biggest portion of it anyway. There's two different uses of, of the word sin in Romans chapter 6. One is hamartia. It's a uh, when you look it up, it's the word number 266, hamartia, and it's a noun. It's talking about a person, place, or thing. It's talking about the sin nature. Shall we continue in the sin nature? Shall we continue in the sin nature? Shall we continue serving that? Watch this. Shall, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, in the sin nature? That grace may abound? God forbids that you and I as Christians continue to live in sin. So chapter 6 of Romans is going to explain to you and me how we stop living in sin. How we stop doing these things we know we shouldn't do. We start doing what we should do. Romans 6 explains how to live for God. Do you want to know how to live for God? If you don't, you're not a Christian. You, all, everything you got is up here just for the sake of you don't want to burn in fire for eternity. So, so think about that. Everything going on, and you need to understand that all Christians want to live for God, want to please God. Think about that. Make you, some folks that watch occasionally go. Wow, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I've, I've only had a head knowledge. I've only agreed historically that Jesus died for the sins of the world. And I've never really taken it personal that I'm a sinner and I'm guilty and, and I've got to have a Savior. And Jesus is the only one provided. I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. I accept what He did at Calvary as, as what I need to have paid the price to appease the wrath of God toward me. And now I'm born again. That has to happen first before you can understand. And when that does happen, when you have a true born-again experience, which is by simple faith in Christ and what He provided at Calvary. Listen, that, my friends, is how we're born again. And once we're born again, we have to learn how to live as a born-again, victorious child of God. When you're born again, you stepped into the victory Christ provided you. It's learning how to walk in this victory. When the children of Israel, God told them, I'm taking you to the land of promise. I'm, it's already yours. I'm giving you the land of promise. That's why God got so angry when the spies went in. He sent them in not to see if they could have it. He already had given it to them, but to see what He was giving them. Think about that. You've been given the victory of Christ, the grace of Christ, the measure of faith that Christ had. You've been afforded all that through the death of Jesus. 
And if that's where your faith is, remains, you will learn to live and walk in this victory. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm not talking that you won't ever be under attack because the more you learn of this truth, the more attack will be upon your life. You need to understand if you're looking for something where you're not attacked and you're just trying to avoid all conflict, you, you listen, you're avoiding the Christian life, the Christian experience. Because Jesus told us they hated Him and they're going to hate all that follow Him. Amen. Does the world hate you? Or has the world accepted you because you've accepted its music, its ways, and you're all caught up and you're, listen, you're not at enmity with the world and the world's not at enmity with you. You're friends with the world. Well, James wrote anybody that's friends with the world is at enmity with God. But when your faith is in the cross, you begin to realize I'm crucified to the world and the world unto me. So watch this. When, when we fell and became sinners in the Garden of Eden, something happened to us. We became something different than we were. We had something at that point because of sin that we did not have before we sinned in the Garden in Adam. We now had a sin nature that we did not have because of sin. Disobedience, sin, and death came in, and the sin nature in the old man are one and the same. That's why when you're born into this life, you're a sinner. You have a sin nature. And you're not just committing sins, but you are the darkness of this world. Chapter 5 of Ephesians tells us we were the darkness of this world. What's darkness? Darkness... Sin is what makes the world dark. Sin is what makes the dark. And I'm not talking about when it gets dark at night. I'm talking about light and darkness, knowledge and ignorance. I'm talking about in sin, we're a part of the darkness of this world. But in light, we're walking with Christ as the light because He is the light living in us and, and He is the answer for the darkness. Hallelujah. So... Let's look at this again. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in the sin, the sin nature, that grace may abound? God forbids that. Christians today being taught it's okay to sin. God's grace abounds. God's grace is God doing something, not God having just covered your sin for the journey. God's grace is what saved you. God's grace is what keeps you from living in sin. If in fact your faith stays in the cross, then God's grace teaches you to live where sin is not dominating your life anymore and you're no longer making excuses for sin. You see how we've been mistaken about grace. Most of the church thinks that grace is just something that covered their sin until they get to heaven and it doesn't matter what they do. That's wrong. God's grace is God doing something in your life for you, through you, to you that you can't do yourself, you can't earn, and you don't deserve. But whatever it is He's doing by grace, He's doing it through your faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. Or it's not getting done. And that's Bible. He's not just doing things anyway. The book of Galatians refutes that. And you need to read it. You need to read the book of Galatians and see that if your faith is not in the cross, you've fallen from grace. That means you've fallen from where God can work in your life and now it's just you trying to function and maintain and tagging everything with God, but it's only form and there's no power there. The power is in the preaching and the believing of the cross of Christ. Praise God. So watch this. Verse 2, God forbids, how shall we that are dead to the sin nature live any longer therein? 
We've become dead to the sin nature. And remember, we've talked about the word death. It means separation. There's been a separation. The old man was crucified. Look down to verse 6 in Romans 6. Knowing this, that our old man, that sin nature, is crucified with him, with Christ. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That from now on we should not serve sin. The moment you were born again, you became a servant of righteousness that this chapter will clearly teach at an elementary level. And you became a servant of righteousness upon being born again before you went and did anything based on your faith in the obedience of Christ and the righteousness afforded you through His act of death there. Think about that. So I want to cover this again today uh, about these two, word, these two meanings of this one word sin in chapter 6. And I want you to take note here. If you need to write these things down, please do. But don't let them fly over your head. There are two definitions of the word sin in this entire chapter 6 of Romans. There's 15 times in Romans chapter 6 that we see the word sin as hamartia. And it's the noun, meaning the sin nature. Not a verb, an acts of sin, but a person, place, or thing. A person, that old man, the sin nature that we became in the Garden of Eden, that is the reason we can't get to heaven because we are sin. We are dead in sin. That means separated from God because of our sin. But now we've become dead, separated to the sin nature. Think about this. There's one time in this entire chapter 6 of Romans that the word sin is used as a verb and it is uh, homartano and it's in uh, verse 15. Watch this. What then shall we sin? Commit acts of sin because we're not under the law but under grace. God forbids we keep on committing acts of sin. But here in chapter in, in this same chapter, verse 2, God forbids how shall we that are dead to the sin nature, the sin nature has become dormant, not disappeared, not utterly annihilated, just like the devil's not utterly annihilated. He goes around searching for whom he may devour, roaring as a lion, looking for whom he may devour. Whom he, who, who can he, who is he allowed to devour and to steal, kill, and to destroy? John 10 and 10, Jesus said that he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy concerning the devil. Who's he allowed to do that to? Every person that does not have their faith in the sacrifice of Christ. He's allowed to steal from them, uh, uh, kill their faith, destroy if they keep going that direction. That's who we were when we were dead in sin, but now we've become dead to the sin nature. That person that we were died. Jesus told Nicodemus, Look here, sir, you can't enter or even see the kingdom of God until you're born again. You have to believe in Christ and what he did at Calvary to get out of the old family, to die to that family, and to be born again into the family of God. And so I want you to remember that. When we go through chapter 6, 15 times the word sin is the noun, person, place, or thing, referring to the sin nature, who we were as sinners and who 
that person can be resurrected not because we commit a sin, but because we remove our faith from the cross to, hear me, anything. Our Bible reading, our giving, our church attendance. God, I've been going to church 40 years. Why is this happening to me? And God will tell you your faith is in your church attendance. Salvation in all of its entire package, including healing and restoration, deliverance, and everything God offers, comes through the sacrifice of Christ because He does it by grace. Whatever God's doing in our lives today, He's doing it by grace through our faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Galatians 2.21 If it's not, if our faith is not in the cross, it's just you doing something and tagging a label on it, calling it God. It doesn't matter the feelings you have and oh, you just swear that had to be God. The devil counterfeits every single thing God does. The devil has a counterfeit that is so powerful it will deceive even God's people if they don't know the truth and they don't cling to the truth which is Christ and Him crucified because it took the crucified part to get you to, to the place where you could have who Jesus is to you and what He died to give you. It took the cross. And not just a one-time entrance deal. It takes the, uh, the cross, faith in the cross daily for you to have that. So watch this. And, and don't you know, verse 3, that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into His death. Think about that, my friends. God didn't place you into Christ when you went to church. God didn't place you into Christ when you started reading the Bible. God didn't place you into Christ anytime except when He saw that faith, that one faith that got placed from your heart believing unto righteousness. See, it takes the heart believing unto that righteous work of Christ, Romans 10.10. It takes a heart, not a head, it, yeah, it, it's got to go through the ears and in the head, but it's got to sink into the heart. We have to believe with the heart, not this thing going thump, 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 pumping our blood, but who we are, the heart of man, your soul and your spirit, the heart of who you are. You, with the heart, you have to believe that Christ died for you, gave His life for you, that you might be forgiven and delivered and put to death as the old man and the sin nature, the sin nature, be put to death, made dormant, and now sin no longer will dominate your life and you can live because of the righteousness of Christ. Think about Romans chapter 8 verse 10. Let's turn over there and read it this morning. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. That means we can't serve God through our fleshly, by our fleshly bodies. It has to be by the Spirit, by our faith in the sacrifice of Christ that we serve God. Yes, our bodies, we, we serve God, but... Our flesh, we can't serve God by flesh. We serve God by faith. Are you, do you understand that? This body we live in, it will go either direction. If we sow to the flesh, we have to use the body to go and do and to talk. But if we 
so to the Spirit, this same body that used to serve evil and, and our members be yielded to iniquity unto iniquity, now our bodies are yielded to the truth, this righteousness we've received and we serve righteousness and now these bodies serve God. Are you getting that? Watch this. Romans chapter 8, verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, because of the sin nature. There's that word again, hamartia, the sin nature, a noun. The body is dead because of the sin nature. But the spirit is life because of righteousness, because of the righteousness of Christ, the humble, obedient act unto death of Christ. Think about that. I hope you're getting something out of this today. I, I, you can be if you have ears to hear. If you want to learn how to live for God where you don't have to spend your whole life saying, I know I shouldn't have, but I did. I know I should have, but I didn't. Listen, those days, we can get past all that and the church can begin to thrive in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the faith we live by or we're not living and we are without power if it's not by that faith, Galatians 2.20. So this, we got to talk about this and we'll talk about this today and probably the next broadcast as well because Paul, listen, he, he's under attack and what he's saying here is a rebuttal against what's being said about him because the Judaizers were telling uh, these people in Rome, listen, Paul's telling y'all to do away with the law. You don't need the law. If, without the law, you're just going to live in sin. That's what men did from Adam to Moses without the law. But what they don't know and what they really probably never knew was that the law given to Moses made sin abound, became the power of sin, that which strengthens sin, 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Think about that. If we try to live according to what we do, which is law, if our faith is in what we're doing, the sin nature comes alive again because we're now moving our faith from the cross, the only thing that makes the sin nature dormant, and now our faith is back in our doing, and that resurrects the sin nature, and we begin to serve the sin nature again. Sowing to the flesh when you and I as Christians don't have to sow to the flesh anymore. And it, what's so deceiving about it is, my friends, is that we're sowing to the flesh doing some of the things the Bible says to do. But our faith is in what we're doing instead of Christ. And that's so easy. It's so easy to step into that place and I know every Christian has done it. But God right now, there is a move of God. It is not about men's names. It is not about Apollos and Paul and Peter or somebody named Swaggart or, or, or Hutchinson. It's about Jesus Christ bringing His church by His Spirit back to the place where the power of God is there. The power of God to live where sin no longer dominates your life. No Excuses are out the window. He's teaching us where to walk, how to walk with victory and power. And it's not in what we go and do. And I know every church wants to have a corner on the market. Bless God, God has shown us something in the Word and before long everybody's going to line up and we're going to have to build a bigger building because God has shown us. Listen, God has shown you what you needed to know when you got born again. And He will walk you and continue to perfect that work if that's the work you keep your faith in or you will be without playing games and faking and making things up and tagging God on it all along the way. It's all in the New Testament, my friends.
But I want to say something before we run out of time today. Paul's answer to these Judaizers, really not to them, but his answer to the Christians in Rome who were under attack of the Judaizers, listen, that we're no longer responsible. The law, we don't live unto the law. We live unto the one who fulfilled the law. The law still has its place. The law still has its place, but again, the New Testament says the law only speaks to those that are under the law. And you are not, and I are not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Therefore, law does not speak to us. Law still has its moral purpose. We should not kill, steal, bear false witness, covet, become idolaters, and the list goes on and on. The Ten Commandments and all the other rituals and ceremonies. Listen, the laws. We're not saved by law. If we try to live by what we do and anything we do that our faith is in other than the work of Christ, then we're living under law and there sin dominates. No, you may not be back drinking and getting drunk and sleeping with whoever and doing drugs, but, the, but listen, that gossiping tongue, that, that complacency and slothfulness that's more than a bondage, it's a sin that sends you, th- making you think. Now, the, the old man, the sin nature, will say it's okay to gamble. It's okay to the go, go to the boats. It's okay to drink. It's okay to... That, the, that's the old man speaking. The flesh. You don't have to serve him. You can serve Christ through faith in the cross. But i got to say this today. Paul was trying to help these Romans. Listen, he wanted to help them. They're trying to bring the law. That's, that's Paul's whole ministry was to see the, the lost saved and the saved learning how not to let the religious people put them back under law. And man can do that. Think about this. The Bible says, let no man steal your crown. Let no man beguile you. Let no man deceive you. God uses men. The devil uses men. Think about that. So he's here teaching, and you, and you say, well, I don't need to know all the hamartia and hamar, whatever, hamartano. And, uh, yes, you do. If you, if you think that this whole chapter is just about committing sin and you don't understand that you have a sin nature, you don't understand how that sin nature was put down and made dormant, you don't understand how that sin nature can come back and begin to rule over you again, if you don't understand that, we're back to that beginning statement. You, you will never live for God in victory. It does not just happen, my friend. Think about this. If... If, if it just happened, if you just lived holy and you just lived in victory without knowing this, you, you wouldn't need any of the Bible in the New Testament except how it talks about Jesus as the Lamb of God, the Son of God that came to take our sins away and all you had to do is believe that and boy, then it's just over. That's it. But that's not the Bible. Every person Paul wrote to, he was writing because they were under attack. He was trying to help them. God the Holy Ghost through Paul get them back on track, point them back to the place their victory was afforded to keep their faith there. Think about that. One thing before I quit today, verse 3, don't you know? And they didn't. 99.9% of the church today doesn't either. Don't you know that so many of us as were baptized, immersed into Christ, how we got into Christ, listen, 
We were baptized into Jesus Christ. We were baptized into His death. Immersed into His death. God saw His Son, Jesus Christ, being humble and obedient enough to die for you and me. When God the Father saw His Son dying for you and me, He saw from before the foundation of the world. This is how He chose us in Christ, Ephesians 1 and 4. He chose us in Him from before the foundation of the world because when God saw His plan, He saw His Son being given. He saw His Son laying His life down by humble obedience unto the Father. And when He saw that, He saw our faith. He saw our faith in Christ and that we would accept Him as Lord, and that's where God chose us. That's how we got into Christ. Not by anything we did, but by what He did in our simple faith in that. God chose us. Ephesians 1.4, from before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. Revelation 13.8, from before the foundation of the world. We're talking about in the mind and the plan of God. God saw it. God had already finished what He started before He set everything in motion. But it had to go in motion to be fulfilled. And Jesus had to show up and be slain. And when God saw His Son laying His life down, He saw your old sin nature, that old sinner that you were, being crucified with Christ. And that, my friends, 2,000 years ago, is where God immersed you into Jesus. And throughout the entirety of the New Testament, when you see the phrase, in Christ, in Him, it's all talking about your place in His crucifixion. Don't forget that. We're out of time. These half-hour sessions move like never before, fast, fast. Don't forget the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Don't forget the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Pray for us. We're praying for you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know nothing but Christ in Him crucified. God bless you.